Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Smart People Podcast. I am Chris Stemp. And I'm John Rojas. Um, I'm pumped. Today was awesome. We, I feel like we should record. We just interviewed our guest. And I yes. feel like we should, record, we should just keep recording because we always have these intense conversations afterwards. I know. Well, I don't know why I even shut the thing off. It's like, good, just keep going. See? Note to self. Note Change to self. It. Write that down. Um, Evernote. Something. I, I feel like this subject, it's crazy because we, we tend to cover similar subjects often, but in such different ways, you know? It's not like it's personal therapy for ourselves. It's personal it therapy. It actually is. It's cool. It's it's getting therapy without having to pay for it. Yeah. No, I agree. When she started asking us questions in this episode, oh, yeah. I was like, you know what? Screw it. Please, please keep asking. This isn't a podcast anymore. <laughs> this is our phone session. I know. She session. said, Do, can I ask you a question? I was like, uh, can you ask 10? <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Can you fix our, all our problems? So um, today we're going to talk about creativity and being creative. And we've done this before, but she's different. I, I have to say, first of all, her name's Jill Badonsky. It's incredible. She wrote, she wrote a book called The Nine Modern Day Muses. And we go into it a lot. It's a whimsical take on creativity is the best way I could come up with it. And I talk about it in the interview, but I'm not a whimsical kind of guy. I don't think about, you know, fairy dust and goblins. I don't read, I don't even read fiction. You know? No Hunger Games or Harry Potter? No, oh, no I want to stab myself when You're I think about that. You're more of a 50, days of, or 50 Shades of Grey? Uh, no, 50 I, days I of, like 50 Days, 50 days of 50 Shade. Days of gray. <laughs> um, but, but the advice she gives is very concise, it's succinct, and it makes sense. I mean, oh, absolutely. It's, she was great. She was awesome. End of so, story. Great. So we'll get into that. Like we said, Jill Badonsky, Nine Modern Day Muses. Uh, you got any more information for them, Roach, about Jill? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she was a founder of the Kaizen Muse creative coaching model. She leads workshops there. She writes a monthly column for the Creativity Portal. She's also the chief editor of the monthly The Muse Flash, which is a newsletter that's devoted to creativity. She's been putting it out since 1997. She sends this to all her many followers. Her website is themusesin.com. Yeah. And it's it's cool because she I don't know her approach to it all is really interesting. We we know it's a great interview when we lose track of what's going on. We lose track of time or the fact that we're doing a show and we just jump in. So I know that our listeners are going to appreciate her answers and the kind of I don't know what the word is, the mutual joy we had in this interview. I agree. And if any of my coworkers listen to this podcast, thought let's, about let's that. not let it get up. I thought up about the chain. that. We're that not really bashing our jobs. No, we don't bash them, but you know, I mean, she specifically asked me a question and I answer right away. Yeah. So not a, I don't know. I mean, everybody wants to be doing their passion, if you will. And actually I do want to say this because we'll talk about it. Jill does talk about, you know, Go follow your passion and creativity. And I know you guys are actually probably sick of hearing that. But she gives very good advice. She says it's not, she has some quote, it's not leaping. You're not, oh, leap in the net will form or something is a quote that she disagrees with. Let's keep that in mind. She disagrees with that because too many people will leap, they'll fall on their face, and then they go back to the job and they get pissed off about their advice. She said, you have to weave your net first before you leap and then do it. And I like that because we're not saying 
what you like basketball okay go be a professional basketball player like yeah you have to learn how to you have to learn how to dribble first you know so weave it and weave it through your your projects and if you're having trouble weaving that net you have to pick up her book the the nine modern day muses it it tells you how to get away with those blocks those creative blocks yeah it helps you move things like all these blocks that both you and i have procrastination perfectionism you know fears of different things all those kinds of things she's got a muse for each one of those to fight those and it's a cool it's a cool way to look at it where you've got this muse that's your that's doing the battle for you. Yeah. And so it's a good way of looking at it and she'll get into it more in the interview. Um, before we get that, our standard plugs, but the most important part of the show, guys, is this part. It keeps us going. Um, head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com. That's where we host all this insanity and check out what we've done, what we've been doing. If this is your first time, welcome. Make sure you subscribe to us in all ways possible. Like literally, we, we're going to take over your world. So Facebook, Twitter, newsletter, you know, iTunes, most important, probably iTunes, just subscribe to the show. Yeah. When you buy your Amazon stuff, go through our link. Okay. It's on the top of the page. Yeah. It's a, it's a simple click. takes you over to Amazon. You know, we get a small percentage. Yeah, and we haven't really got, got we much We got a there, really so. small percentage. Yeah, so, so we better figure out a new way to get some revenue because uh, it's not working. But, you know, thanks for listening. That's really the most important part. Obviously, we do it to talk to these amazing people and then share them with the world. So excited for you guys to listen to this. After you listen to it, when you're all motivated, you know, go to us on Facebook and let us know what you thought. Your feedback is actually probably the the coolest part of the show emails or whatever it might be what what do you got over there well we got a an email today and it's from paul and it just says brilliant podcast lads keep up the good work from paul in ireland and when i saw the ireland i did it in an irish accent as i was reading it i appreciate that so paul thanks for thanks for reaching out to us we really appreciate that please stick around and keep listening we're spanning the globe trying all right guys enjoy this episode where we interview Jill Badonsky, author of The Nine Modern Day Muses. First thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that we've covered on this show creativity, and we talk a lot about finding your passion. And I, it's tough because sometimes you wonder if you're repeating the same things. And that's why when I came across your book, the nine modern day muses, I was like, oh, this is great. We have to have her on the show because you talk about creativity in a way that I would have never thought about in, in a creative way. So I was just hoping you could tell us a little bit about what the muses are and how you came up with that idea. Okay. That's a great question. My whole thing is that we, when we have blocks in our life, we, we need to access our our strength and our wisdom, and that's not easy to do given the magnitude of our ego and peer pressure and our irrational thinking that comes from fear. So we need to outfox our challenges, especially in the creative realm, because creativity is sneaky. It's hard to go in the front door of creativity because all sorts of fears and resistance and blocks come up. So the best thing to do is to catch them off guard. So these muses are really creative principles that I've put in the guise of muses just to do exactly what you were talking about, to talk about the creative process with imagination. So, number one, if you have to buy into the whole muse thing, then you have to use your imagination. You have to get out of the whole logical, linear thing and and pretend a little bit that there are muses out there. Or, in this case, inside of us, there's... These muses are based on the strengths that we do have when when we can plug into them. You know, the for instance, paying attention. The first muse, Ahafrodite. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, the more we pay attention, the more we see how much there is out there that can be catalyzed into the creative process. But oftentimes, we're caught up in our default thinking. We're worrying. We're fearful. We're planning. We're not in the present moment paying attention. And there's so many different things to pay attention to in the creative process. So she's, her whole thing is about paying attention. So then there's, I don't know if you want me to go through all of the, the muses, but they're basically, you know, I had 
imaginary friends when I was <laughs> little, <laughs> and they helped me get through some of the struggles I had in my childhood, and I had struggled. I was an artist. I was trying to write a book and write a play, and I came up against all of these creative blocks, so I invented all these imaginary characters, and really they ended up being strengths that are inside of me, and because I'm not so unique, they're strengths inside of just about everybody that when we do pay attention to them, we can see this whole creative process in a different way and put on the lens of imagination. And then that really fools a fear. Fear is one of the biggest, as you probably know, one of the biggest things that gets in our way. It has, you know, fear could be a whole bunch of characters in and of itself because it has so many different disguises, you know, everything from the fear of failure to the fear of success to the fear of giving up the comfortable routine that we get sucked into habitually. And we, on some level, fear giving that up to follow our creative dream. So there's just a whole bunch of fears. And so we need a bunch of muses to deal with all these fears. Well, what I was going to say is what I really liked is I, I consider myself to be creative, but it's in a in a way I don't I don't want to say daydream enough, but not in enough of a fantastic way. It's kind of logical creativity, if you will. I try and think about businesses and things like that. And when doing that, you miss a lot of what it is to be creative. And I loved the idea of the muses because at first I was like, I don't understand. This this is so fairy tale ish And then when I read through the, the muses and, and the bodyguard and what they were about, and then kind of read through your book and how you introduce them, it's a way of bringing to life those things that you use, those tools you can use to destroy roadblocks of creativity. And it's it's a great mental or visual idea for those of us that might not be inclined to do that. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, they, they are personified tools. So... Just to give an example of a couple more of them, one of the biggest ones for a lot of people is the muse audacity. And people like that muse because she personifies courage, and courage is such a requirement in the creative process because we have these little fragile ideas and we have to put them out there. So her whole chapter, you know, is you get to know this muse and you get to play with the exercises, the journal writing and who she is in terms of, you know, the kinds of things that she surmounts. And the, a lot of people in the creative process are afraid to to um, outdo other people. They, they play small, and she, she gives people permission, which is another thing we really need often in the creative process is permission to, to get our ideas out there, to not be afraid that we're going to make other people feel insecure because we... When we do our thing, then we actually give people permission to do their, their own thing. So she she's all about that courage. And when we teach about these muses, we teach in groups. We have people kind of test drive them for a week. So they take them with them, and they, they try out little small steps with, with courage and with what if, you know, I didn't worry so much about what people thought. What, how, would, how would I be different if I didn't have that thought? So audacity is one. And then Be Silly is another one, which is really a very important muse, although she sounds kind of silly, to a perfectionist, because perfectionists take themselves way too seriously. And perfectionism is a a huge block. It's just an epidemic out there that is reinforced by the media. So to lighten up a bit, not take the whole creative process so seriously, really can liberate people because... They try so hard to be perfect and to be like other people and to compare themselves and to just say, what if you just had fun with it? What if you got a little silly? Because the realm of play really is so related to coming up with ideas and taking them to the next step. So she's there. And then Albert, of course, named after Albert Einstein, he's also very liberating in terms of people who get caught up trying to follow rules. He says, break the rules which is being rebellious is such an important part of the creative process because we want to rebel against what's already out there and invent new things and also rebel against rigid instructions that keep us in a little box. And 
begin to think of how we can alter instructions, how we can take what is already out there and modify it, which I don't know if you guys have been, have you read the new book, The Imagine by Jonah Lehrer? No, Um, I know exactly um, what book you're talking about, though. I haven't read it yet. It's a really good book. I recommend it. Imagine how creativity works. And that's a lot of what he talks about is we, we really don't come up with a lot of stuff originally. We take a lot of things that are already out there and modify them. Steve Jobs didn't invent a lot of stuff. He took a lot of existing stuff and upgraded it and packaged it better. You know, and countless people have done the same thing from Shakespeare taking storylines and making them his own to people packaging things differently. So so that's what the Muse Albert is all about is, you know, you don't have to come up with things from scratch. Just take existing instructions, break the rules a little bit, tweak things here and there. And that becomes a lot of fun is to also put on another person's persona with what decisions would you make about your idea if you were coming from the thought process that you perceive would be Steve Jobs or Stephen Colbert or, or Bugs Bunny? How would you approach something differently if, if you were, you know, all of a sudden just deemed the expert or if you were reckless or if you were angry or if you did it much bigger than you might usually do it or much smaller? So it's trying on a whole bunch of different perspectives and, and thinking differently from, from those ways. So each of the muses gives all of these different ways to approach the creative process and it makes it fun. So that kind of fear and fun don't usually go together. So right. we're, we're kind of like bypassing the, the fear. And I, I think one of the most important muses with the whole process of fear is Marge. <laughs> and Marge was named after the sheriff from Fargo. Did you guys see see Fargo? Kind of a disturbing movie, but (laughs) she became my hero when, you know, all of these things were happening. There's murders and, and, you know, incompetent deputies and her husband. And yet she just like, we got to get this done. You know, it was just like, we, we don't oftentimes get an inspiration. Sometimes we have to just, okay, get started and the inspiration comes. So, her whole thing is to get through procrastination, you really sometimes have to just let all of the emotion, all of the drama in your life go and to take small steps. And that's what my coaching practice is based on. I, I teach a coaching practice called Kaizen Muse Creativity Coaching, and it's based on these muses from this book, but also the philosophy of Kaizen, which is a Japanese philosophy, meaning continuous improvement through small steps. And the whole fear thing is we are, you know, the creative part of our brain is the cortex. But when we go into fear, even a small fear, even if I don't know where to start, I'm afraid I don't know where to start, our amygdala goes off. And when our amygdala fires, our cortex goes off. So it's really hard to get But if you make things so small and give yourself permission not to even have to be good, the fear isn't triggered. And I can't tell you how many people have gotten through their creative blocks with uh, advice, just do it small and crappy. Just do it small and crappy. And these huge blocks of perfectionism and I can't do it as well and what if it's not good, go away when you're given permission to do something really small. And I'm talking really small. And even when I ask somebody, what is the next smallest step you could possibly take, they'll say something like, oh, well, I'll write for a half an hour tomorrow and a half an hour is way too big for what we're talking about here. I'm talking about how about you point yourself towards your writing desk (laughs) (laughs) and we do that without any fear. And then all of a sudden it becomes a game, you know, Um, now you take the next tiny step and all of a sudden you're in a momentum. And when we're in a momentum, the fear goes away. And, you know, if you tell somebody, why don't you just write something really crappy for five minutes Then they get started, and that whole wall of resistance and fear breaks down, and they, before they know it, it's five minutes, it's ten minutes, it's a half an hour. But if they write for 20 minutes and they, you know, told themselves they were going to do it for half an hour, they they failed. But if they say, I'm going to do it for five minutes, and it ends up being 20 minutes, 
they have a feeling of success, and with that comes energy, and that little child inside wants more. I did this. I can do this. I want to do more versus, uh, I did it for 20 minutes. It's so hard doing a half an hour. You know, we don't want to show up again. So a lot of the success of this coaching model is, is just breaking things so small that the fear doesn't get triggered. And we actually end up getting more done because we're in the process than if we procrastinated, if we are immobilized because we've really set up ourselves for unrealistic expectations, which is another thing that's out there. And that brings up the new spills. And spills is all about not having to do things perfectly, about embracing the process. And the more I read these books about the creative process, the more people talk about really you know, the more you can allow yourself to enjoy the process, the more the product is going to take care of itself instead of, you know, going into the process with a lot of pressure on yourself, go into the process choosing to embrace effortless joy or choose some words that, that sound good as to how you want to feel in the process. And then you get lost in the process and that becomes, number one, the reward in and of itself. And it usually leads to the product or whatever you're doing taking care of itself. So, yeah, those are just some examples of some of the muses, and they they all provide quotes from people who seem to reflect their philosophy, and they give exercises you can do to really embody these muses so you can feel what it's like to really operate from the creative principles that work the best for people to, to get through those blocks kind of blocks do you guys have what do you well i was i was actually just going to ask i can definitely relate on the fear aspect so i wanted to know what other kind of stuff do you see at your coaching workshops that get people through you know through those fears of of failure or success or specifically for me the comforts you know i work a a really nice paying job right now and i've become comfortable to living how i am so I, I often look at myself and say, oh, I'm not doing certain things because I'm afraid of losing that comfort. What type of things do you recommend? I mean, I'm writing notes down here and taking small steps being the first thing. What that, other, was, that was amazing. Yeah, that, that's a, that it's a great piece of crazy. advice. Yeah. What, what other uh-huh. types of advice do you have for people like myself who are scared of that fear of losing the comfort of what we're currently in? Well, let me ask a few more questions. What? Sure. Are you thinking about leaving the comfort of what you're in to pursue something more creative or... Every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah? Yes, absolutely. Um, And and that's what I did. I went from the corporate... I'm a corporate dropout. So I went from a very unhappy situation of working for companies whose values I didn't believe in to working for myself. And one of the first things I can tell you is that... It doesn't happen overnight. Right. So this whole small step thing is really important. And usually left to ourselves, we don't take tiny steps because a lot of people think it needs to be a huge leap of faith. Yep. You know, one of one of the quotes, and I won't say who said it, <laughs> that has done a lot of people disservice is leap in the net shall appear. You know, I've had people come and say, I did that, and, and they're in high anxiety, and they go back to their comfort zone really quickly because it's too much. You really have to start weaving the net before you leap, then it'll appear. Um, but one of the things that you can do related to these small steps is what I call creative foreplay, which is, you know, the very effective and powerful realm of imagination is to begin to visualize really what you want to do next, to begin to think about it, to have the pictures in front of you of it, and to be asking questions. Questions are so powerful in the creative process and in moving us forward. And usually we're asking questions that keep us stuck. We're asking questions like, how come I can't get out of this job? How come this is so hard? How come... Other people can do this, and I can't. And when we ask questions like that, the subconscious answers them. It doesn't know any better. It will go to work on, you know, why are other people doing this? Well, other people are more courageous than you. Other people have more luck than you. So we have to switch our questions. We have to go, what what little tiny step can I take today that will make a difference in terms of where I want to go next? Well, just a little tiny step. 
or what little thought can I think? Even just asking the question without having to answer it, we don't have to answer it, and that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have to answer these things. But just asking the questions will set all of the ball bearings and gears and the subconscious going to start answering. What is the next path? Who who is a good person to talk to for this to happen for me? What what is five minutes that I can do uh, with a phone call I can make, with some writing I can do, and just these five minutes, these these questions will begin to accumulate, and over time, we just begin to ease into the new place. I mean, there there is times when the leaps are necessary. You know, I just took a big leap and, and got an office space with a classroom, and but it took a lot of tiny steps to get there, and a lot of those tiny steps involved practicing the feelings that I needed, the practicing the feeling of trust. I have practiced the feeling of trust so many times that taking this leap in this economy, this hyped-up, fear-mongering economy, I have no doubt that getting an office space and having an office and paying an extra $800 a month is not going to be something I can't do. I just have no fear anymore because I've been practicing the feeling of trust for so long. And so I get to the point where I can take that leap without retracting, without being afraid that that's going to be too much for me. And even embracing the thrill of proving to myself and other people that this is a smart move. So these are little things. We, we, can, we can do these anywhere. We can do these, you know, for me, when I'm put on hold, when I'm hurt, the next representative will be with you in five minutes. That's my cue to do some daydreaming. What is my next tiny step? What would it feel like to be where I really want to be? What's the feeling? And, and the nice thing about our incredible minds is we can feel what we want to feel. We can pretend that we're feeling that right now. So if you imagine what it would feel like to do what you really want to do, what would that feel like? You can invite that feeling in right now. And this is, you know, the whole the whole thing about a lot of this stuff that is termed metaphysical. But really, when you're able to practice feeling something that you really want to feel, you begin to take the steps that make sense in terms of bringing that into manifestation. So it really is more common sense to me than it is metaphysics to here, let me try this on, and now what little tiny step would bring me closer to that feeling? And after a while, we become convinced that these steps are the right step rather than feeling the fear. Um, And we're asking the questions and the answers are coming to us. That's why sometimes answers seem like they're coming out of the blue, but really chances are we've been asking a question for a while. What would be the next idea that happens here? What would be a good idea for me? Does that make sense? Am I making sense here? Yeah, and I I wanted to, I kind of wanted to follow up with something that, you know, hopefully I can lean on you either as a, as you being a professional coach or from your personal experience, because you said you took a similar path from a corporate job. What type of expectations did you set for yourself in terms of timelines? Because, you know, you, you talk about taking these small steps and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, did you look at it and say, okay, I'm going to keep taking these small steps until I feel comfortable of jumping and getting out of this corporate gig? Or did you kind of work backwards? How did you go about that with, with setting timelines? I didn't set timelines. I, I well, really, <laughs> hate the, because that just brings up fear for me and it's too linear. And this whole thing, the way it worked for me was so nonlinear and, and that's pretty much what I teach because the creative process just doesn't operate in a straight line. So for me, it was it was basically really present moment. And I, there's a lot of intuition and common sense. You know, it wasn't like wishful thinking or woo-woo. It was what feels like it would be the smartest thing for me to do in this moment. And the timeline took care of itself. And it, it wasn't linear. I did get afraid, and I took a job again. And it was so clear that I was not supposed to be in a job working for somebody else that I did not stay there for a very long time, and that was really validating in terms of my path. And the past consisted of a lot of, of, a lot of anxiety. 
and it was a real courage booster to deal with that anxiety, which in and of itself is a creative process. So letting the whole thing be a creative process, letting go of, you know, instead of responding to anxiety with going back to a comfort zone, responding to anxiety with thanks for sharing, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm going to take another step in this direction that, that makes sense to me. And, you know, the way it worked for me is I went from a full-time job to a part-time job. And while I was working that part-time job, I was, con- I was putting together the constructs of my, my, my own business. I was starting to teach. I was doing a whole bunch of different things, not just one thing. I was writing articles for magazines. I was doing talks. I started coaching. But at the same time, I was doing graphic design and teaching yoga, which I liked a lot better than working for the corporate world. And and little by little, I began to build a company that was standing on its own, and I could drop away the graphic design and working in a bookstore and begin to just focus on what I really love doing. But it took time, and any time I put together a timeline, you know, I have all sorts of plans and marketing plans and business plans that I constructed and then put away in a notebook and never looked at them again. And I suppose the whole exercise of having filled in those blanks kind of made me ask questions and answer them that that served me at some point. But really what worked best for me was asking myself, what makes sense in this moment to spend my time doing? And, and those things were work on a newsletter, collect emails, talk to people, work on a book. Um, and little by little, because I'm easily overwhelmed, it's one of the reasons I wrote that book in the first place, is I was so stuck when I was trying to write a book. I was procrastinating. I was doing everything but working on this my first book, which was, was it was the Muse book. And I went to a life coach, and she mm-hmm. sent me on a linear line. She said, okay, next week have a chapter written. And I went back the next week and I said, you know what? You told me to get a chapter written. And because you did that, I didn't even want to write it even more. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I'm going to, let me tell you what you need to tell me. And I said, tell me that I can do three things. And I, you know, I can pick from three things related to my book, but they can be anything I want them to be. And I did that. And what that really responds to is that little child inside of us. That is the one that keeps us down or moves us forward because it's that child spirit inside of us has been there the longest. We still have the child spirit of our nine-year-old. And if it's going, this isn't fun, I don't feel like doing this, I'm afraid, then we're going to feel real resistance. But if if we go, okay, let's let's pick something fun to do today related to what we want to do next, we can engage that child instead of it being in resistance, it's, it's giving us some creativity. So that's what I did. And I figured, oh, my God, if this person is blocking me, how many life coaches are blocking creative people out there? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I thought, this is why there needs to be some model that is not linear, that is based on intuition and asking questions and daydreaming. And, you know, one of my muses is lulls, which is putting down the process every now and then and just refilling with by exposing ourselves to other people's work without comparing ourselves, by reading, by looking at everything we've already done. And by the, the way, that is a big part of it, is, you know, when we want to move into the next part of our life, we're always looking at what needs to be done. And one real powerful thing that we can do is what have I already done? And what have I already done that can serve me now? And looking at all the skills we've developed and when we've procrastinated in the past, this is one of the biggest tools. You ask, you know, when I'm working with these people, one of the biggest tools when they come and say, I'm procrastinating, I'm resisting, I'm afraid, is to ask them, has this ever happened to you in the past? And usually the, the answer is yes, I've procrastinated, I've been fearful. And the next question is, what did you do? What worked for you? And you'd be amazed that people go from victim, I don't know what to do, to, oh, wait a minute, I took a class, I talked to somebody, I just sat down and did it. They all of a sudden move from the person who doesn't have the answer to the person who remembers that I do have the answer and I just need to do that again. And sometimes they don't have the answer to that. So the next question is, what do you think would work? And again, we move from, I don't know what to do to, well, 
this would probably work or this would probably work. And we just need to keep asking questions like, what would work? Another thing that has worked is, what if you projected yourself into the future where you want to be? Take a look at that. Imagine it. Feel it. And then imagine looking back and how did you get there? What tiny steps did you take to get there? Because sometimes we're thinking, I can never get there. Instead of going, I'm going to get there. And then kind of look back and you'd be amazed at how many answers come up. Well, I talked to this person. I took this step. I finally got rid of this part of my job. So really the use of the imagination, the use of pretending. And it, you know, another book that I highly recommend is, is Austin Cleon's Steel Like Steel an like, Artist. You, still oh, like you, you guys interviewed him. Yeah, yeah, we just interviewed him. <laughs> yep. He was great. Yeah. yeah. One of his chapters is is um, fake it till you make it. Yep. And I swear that's one of the biggest things that is responsible for my success is there was a lot of faking it till I made it. There was a lot of pretending, a lot of acting as if, <laughs> and then filling in the blanks because, you know, when you go, yeah, I'm an author, people go, well, where's your book? Then you have to write it. Or, <laughs> yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, I have a newsletter. And yeah. then all of a sudden you have to kind of, fill in those blanks so yeah and you know everything that you said has made complete sense and I really do have to thank you because one of the things that just struck a chord with me is you mentioned you know taking a part-time job or a couple part-time jobs in things that you enjoy and these things that you enjoy I mean some of them can just be things that you think are fun or things that could help you reach the point that you want to get to and that's always been my crutch is i look at myself and say, okay, I work 40, 50 hours a week. I just don't have time to learn or do things that I want to do. But if you scale back, you know, if you scale back your hours and do those part-time jobs where you're supporting yourself doing fun things and doing things that allow you to be creative, you can also learn during that other time that you have off. And, you know, I really appreciate that because I've never really thought about that or even looked at it that way. And that's how I wrote my book. You know, I went from this huge corporate job with all this prestige and stuff to working in a bookstore. <laughs> and while I was work at, working in the bookstore, I was flipping through books and getting quotes out. And right. those are the yeah. quotes you see in the news book. And, and it, it was also just that, that change, that huge change of letting go of the ego that was attached to the prestige and the paycheck to go, I'm just going to work in a bookstore. And the the experience of that, just the the whole, I can't even put words to it, the whole shift of scenery and the shift of who you are was such a jolt of creativity because you're exposed to an entire different part of yourself. So, and, you know, doing the graphic arts and working with people on that after being, you know, a manager of a hospital unit, it was, it was just, it made me access different strengths in myself. That all led to just the courage and the strength it took to finally let go of all of the comforts and and you know one of the the quotes I latched onto is it's either passion or your pension you know <laughs> and it, you know it, just the enjoyment there was one part where I was like how am I going to make my rent and I was sitting there teaching a writing class in a book in this bookstore I was working in. And just giving out these prompts, and all of a sudden, all these people were writing based on these prompts. And I, there was just like, there must have been a glow around me or something, because it just dawned on me, oh my God, this is my pay. This is, I'm, I, I'm in such joy of hearing the creative process of other people. This is so much more reinforcing than any big paycheck. Mm -hmm. And it's really weird after that, you know, it just became easier to make money. So I don't know how it was all connected, but when you start really enjoying what you're doing, all of a sudden the energy shifts and you, I think you just start doing things in your favor instead of keeping yourself down where you're not really existing in a way that's resonating with who you really are. 
Yeah, that makes sense. It, it does. It's funny. I literally just got like goosebumps because I was thinking about the way this podcast started and I don't need to rehash it because people have heard it before, but John and I were working these big corporate jobs and he took a sabbatical and I just quit and it took months. I mean, it took two, three months for me to like get out of that stifled mode and oh, yeah. you use the word often in, in your on your website and in your book cranky and and oh, you know boy. it makes me cranky and even more so it makes me foggy when i have to go to some place i don't want to be every day and what you were saying is that doesn't resonate and you can't create it's just not very possible so when you remove yourself though and i know when i did all of a sudden you realize oh crap i'm i'm I like this stuff. I'm creative. And then you can't even turn it off. It's just how fast can you create stuff? And I think that the key part, like you were saying, is to do it in small steps, but allow yourself to think for a minute rather than get that paycheck, go to work, hate where you are, whatever it might be, you know, worry about your ego and your boss and all that. Yeah, exactly. And fog is a really, that's a great word too. Fog and cranky and, and also it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect every day. So many people psych themselves out because they think, oh, okay, I'm going to start doing these small steps, and they start to do them, and they make some inroads, and then they go, oh, it's just not working the way I thought it was going to work. And at that point, you just got to go, okay, I'm taking a break. It's going to take a break. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to look like this plan that I have, but I just have to stay open to what the next small step is. Or... I need to take a break because a lot of people give up when it's just time to take a break and get some perspective and, and rest because we're, you're making a big change. Yeah. You're you're going from something that's comfortable. You know, the creative process is wonderful and it's blissful, but it's not always comfortable, but it, it's always worth it. It's the payoff. It, there's no ceiling to it. You just – you work on your writing and all of a sudden you want to start composing music and all of a sudden you just see all of the different layers of creativity and how they open every single aspect of your life. And the more you can just take your time with it and open to it and apply it to every thought that you think, um, but it, but it is going to change everything inside and outside of yourself. So it requires some rest every once in a while and just put it down. Right. <laughs> Step away from the creativity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watch some T V for a while. <laughs> and then then go back to it. And then you get really refreshed and renewed and and yeah, they not so cranky anymore. <laughs> I know. And it's funny. It's like, it's sometimes now I'm kind of in this, in this cranky foggy mode. And I realize I can't even think outside of what I do at work, but, but that's one of the things I really loved about your book. It kind of puts a whimsical aspect on creativity and you can lose yourself in it. And I really appreciate that aspect. And I want to ask you one more question because we focus a lot around passion in, in our podcast. It's what started it. It's why we talk to who we talk to. And I know you, you know, you do or did in the past, I'm not sure, but some occupational therapy. And so whenever I hear that, I'm like, well, I got to ask her a question. And then I read it, you know, <laughs> a quote from you that said, you know, it, it's in your book, it's in the front. It says, let's excavate our dreams. And it's, that's the hardest thing in my life. Do you have any words of wisdom on excavating your dreams and how to do that, where you find them, you know, anything like that? Well, part of the book, the, the childhood detective work, I think is really important because we know our passions when we're kids. We just lose it when we get into school. And sometimes we assume that every all of us have the same passion. You know, I wanted to be an actress and an artist, and I just assume everybody wanted to do that too. Or I wanted to be a teacher. But going back and looking at what really thrilled you as a child has some really good information in it. And then, you know, the other part of it is is going back to what we were first starting to talk about, and that was paying attention. Paying attention to what really energizes you. Because even though it sounds obvious, a lot of people don't do what really energizes them. They do what other people are doing, what you're supposed to be doing, what your parents told you to do, rather than what really just gives you a lot of energy. And, you know, sometimes it's 
it's not within our reach anymore. Like I go to Broadway plays and I'm just totally energized and it, I'm not, you know, ready to be a Broadway actress or anything, but I can, I can catalyze that same energy that is in that, in my creative work and make it real passionate or apply music, you know, to what I'm doing or to create while I'm listening to music. I think is is a lot of paying attention to yourself every day in the form of, of writing, you know, journal writing and just not writing for creativity, but just talking to yourself. You know, Julia Cameron's morning pages are great if you don't get really rigid about it and feel like you have to do three pages a day, but just talking and just writing without having writing free writing, just writing all of your, your stream of consciousness. I just did that today and it reminded me again of how important it is to do that because there's so much that comes out on the page that isn't there when I'm just thinking, you know, when I'm just talking to myself on the page, I begin to see and understand myself more. And as we understand ourselves more, we begin to again act in our favor and go in the direction that, that is more us than, than other people. So I think just paying attention, looking what other people are doing that seems exciting to you too. And then, you know, that's, that's another place that people can get derailed. They look at what other people are doing and going, oh, look how far they're along with that. I'll never get there. Or they're doing it so much better than I could ever do it. So comparison can be toxic in that way. And to, to reframe it and go, look what that person's doing. What part of that can inspire me and what little tiny step can I take in that direction? So looking, you know, all around, all the time asking those questions. And I think the whole question asking realm is important. Just going, you know, what does it mean to excavate my dreams? And not having to answer right away in the present moment, but letting your subconscious incubate that question. What's one small thing I can do today that would answer, you know, the whole excavation of a dream? What would it look like? And and how can I explore that in a whole bunch of different ways, not just one way or not just the way that I've already done? Let me read something and, and see if there's some kind of answer to that question in this reading. And you'd be surprised at how many answers and signposts and directional things there are out there when we begin to ask the questions and start looking for the answers with a soft focus kind of lens rather than, you know, pressuring so much. Just... And meditation, too. You know, I was reading David Lynch, so creative. He's written a book on creativity. I forget the name of it. But he talks about how he meditates every day and just can't imagine what his life would be without it. And it doesn't mean we have to do this formal type of meditation every day, but just to to get quiet in the morning and in the evening and, and just um, ask a question or or quiet all of the default thinking and, and listen to what's underneath it. There's there's so many answers there for us when we quiet that mind that's just chattering away and, and listen to the other parts of ourselves. Oh, absolutely. And, and I know Chris said that that would be the last question, but I just wanted to give you a quick little bit of praise. In, in looking at your other books, I, you know, I stumbled across the Almanac, A Daily Dose of Wonder. And I have to let you know, I'm in a Facebook group called The Immaculata, and it was started by a comedian in L.A., and he basically wanted to get everybody together and just do creative things every day, that kind of stuff. We actually created this calendar that we called the Canander and made cool pictures for each of the months and allowed people to write in their goals and stuff. And it's like it seems like the perfect fit for some of the people within this group. But I, I know we didn't really talk about the Almanac, but I just wanted to let you know our listeners know that that's out there as well. Yeah, thanks. Uh, the Almanac's um, doing really well in... For your listeners, it's it's a takeoff on the Old Farmer's Almanac. It's spelled A-W-E, so it's kind of a daily dose of creativity and quotes and things that you can do to think yeah, it looks in a more creative way. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, well, Jill, I know we kept you on a little longer, but it's obviously a subject that we love and want everyone else to dive into their creative side because it only helps the world out. So thanks so much for being on the show. It was great. Do you have anywhere else that you want our, our listeners to know about or anything? I know we talked a lot about, you know, your book, The Nine Modern Day Muses, but do you want to tell them where they can find you on the web or anything like that? Sure, thanks. They can find me at the muse, 
is in.com. It's kind of like the doctor's in, but it's T-H-E-M-U-S-E-I-S-I-N. And that has, you know, my next book is coming out in December, and it's a takeoff on an owner's manual. It's the owner's manual for your creativity. So I'm looking for kind of a another takeoff. I like um, the themes that, that you have with your books. Yeah. I mean, even the themes are super creative. Yeah. Well, it's that thing. It's like, what's already out there that I can modify and yeah. stick my stuff into? <laughs> right, right. That's yeah. awesome. And that, I want to thank you guys for, for getting it, you know? Oh, it's yeah. like, uh, I really appreciate that you got my, my work. Absolutely. That's neat. All right. Well, again, thank you so much, and good luck with the next book. I, I'm sure, you know, we'll be looking out for it. Thanks again for being on the show. It was great. Great questions. Thanks, you guys. I, right, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you very Bye. much. Bye. Uh, smart people, Potters, you've returned. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that with Jill. Great interview. I'm going to keep this simple. I want you guys to do one thing for me. Go out on Twitter. Follow us. That doesn't count. That's step zero. <laughs> step one. <laughs> step one is tweet. You guys should check out at Smart People Pod. Let all your Twitter followers see it. We're trying to build up our Twitter following, and we're trying to get more people to check out the show. I figure we can get two birds with one stone with this. I like that. So just if you're sitting at work, say, hey, I'm listening to episode blah, blah, blah of Smart People Podcast. Link no, no. to it. Say Link to our website. Yeah. Link, link to our website, you know, but make sure that you tweet with at Smart People Pod and they will, they if will you build come. it, they will come. Yeah, I knew where you're going with that. Yeah. So that's what you're doing for John, though. So that doesn't have anything to do with me because we're separate but equal. Um, what I'm asking you to do is when you head to our website, sign up for the newsletter. It's only going to come out once a week, if that, because sometimes I get lazy, so it might be once every other week. But it'll be cool. It'll just be us kind of interacting with you guys a little bit. And the primary thing we're going to do is let you know in advance who we're interviewing. So you might have really liked the topic of creativity in Jill Badonsky. And you were like, man, if I had a chance to ask her a question, I would. Well, that's going to be possible because we are going to set up a Ustream account where you can watch us live and interact with us while we're on the phone or on Skype with these people. And we'll dedicate a section, five, 10 minutes, to questions that listeners ask. That's, it's one of the coolest things we've come up with yet. John has it all, you know, the technological crap set up and we're working out some tweaks. That'll probably come in a few weeks, maybe two weeks, I'd say tops. But the only way you can be part of that is through our newsletter. So upper right-hand corner, smartpeoplepodcast.com. Shoot us your email. We promise we won't flood your inbox because we're way too lazy to do that anyways. And, uh, you know, keep in touch with us. And tweet your friends. Tell them to follow at Smart People Pod. Why did you get the last word in? Why not? not we were talking and talking and talking. Thanks for joining us again. Check us out next week. And be sure to uh, keep listening. See you guys. Why are you smiling? Because you were supposed to say bye. Bye. So we could have kept going. (laughs) I get it. I get it.